Entrepreneurs will save the world. We chat with successful entrepreneurs who share their journey and the lessons learned along the way. The Add Value to Entrepreneurs podcast is edutaining, leaving you with actionable advice to transform your life and create a thriving business that aligns with your values and goals. Our conversations are for entrepreneurs who want more freedom and fulfillment from their work so they can live the life they desire. We focus on the mindset shifts entrepreneurs make to increase their influence and impact in the world. It's time for you to add value. This episode is brought to you by Perfect Publishing. Perfect Publishing is a different approach to publishing a book. Perfect Publishing is sharing a project of hope called The Dose of Hope. We carefully chose heroes of hope who exemplify living a life they created through faith, hope, patience, and persistence. No matter what page you open to in this mini cube of hope, you will find a leader with a big heart. You will see you are not alone. The authors may share similar challenges that only hope and action could resolve. Get your free ebook at addvalue2life.com slash dose. Addvalue2life.com slash dose. My guest today is Joe Perone. Joe is a strategist who helps business owners reclaim their time freedom. He believes that your business should run itself. It shouldn't run you into the ground. Joe has been helping his clients find full enjoyment in everything they create and do it without burning out. Joe, an entrepreneur himself, owns and operates two successful automotive repair shops. He does it on about six hours per week. Joe's favorite way to invest his reclaimed time is by building strong relationships with his wife, his two young sons, his network, and his friends. Joe Perone shares his journey from shop mechanic to shop owner to business development coach. Joe values hard work but working smart with your money and your time. He spent too many years in business believing that self-care was selfish and he was supposed to do everything to make the business work. Growth comes when you let go and start taking care of yourself and designing the business around the life that you want. Joe, thank you so much for joining me today. Just, uh, man, I'm excited to, to have this conversation. Oh, I'm so excited to be here, Robert. Pleasure, pleasure being here with you today. All right, Joe, so... Uh, I feel like you've been an entrepreneur for a while in a, in a couple of different spaces and, and now you're coaching entrepreneurs and helping others. And so I, I'm just excited to, to hear about your entrepreneurial journey. Oh, <laughs> do, this is only an hour show or do we have, Wait, you'll have to give us the cliff note version. <laughs> yeah, you got it. Um, so yeah, once again, Robert, thank you so much for what you do and who you are in the world and, and how much you add value to entrepreneurs and, and just delighted to, to be on here with you. Um, you know, it started back in uh, humble beginnings back in 1998, uh, sweeping floors and dumping trash pails at, uh, at uh, the automotive shop, which I, I now own and we, we do auto body repair. And, uh, you know, even before that, I would do odd jobs. And I always had, a, from 15 on, I always had a little job, whether it was cutting grass or washing cars, whatever it was, I always had something that I was doing to, to earn money. I, I liked earning money. I liked the, uh, the freedom that came with making a living and, and you know, having the, the stuff. But, um, you know, the journey started there and, it went into working my way through the ranks of the automotive shop and learning different aspects. And that was really where I started to learn about treating the business as an employee, as if you were the owner and having that ownership mindset, which I believe is 
so important and I love to work with, with people on, on that as much as I love working with business owners, I love mentoring people that are employees and might be creating something, uh, a side business for themselves or working their way up through the ranks. But yeah, you know, work my way up through, did almost every job in, in the place and and uh, really enjoyed working uh, working there and in, in uh, 2008 and 2009 with the economic collapse and a lot of a lot of things going on we found out that our boss was not as solvent as as we thought he was and one day walked us into the the office and said I'm going to have to lay everybody off um, I could lay you guys off too um, or you could stay on and, and we can uh, dig this all out to get to together. <laughs> I'm like, geez, you know, I, I, I feel honored. I, I didn't get us into this mess, but boy, I get a chance to get us out of this mess. Right. <laughs> Those but are the best kind. Yeah. But it, but it's something that you never expect uh, as an employee when you feel like you're, you're in a successful business and, you know, we were always busy and we always had work. And that's one of the first places where I learned that busy wasn't necessarily always successful and busy wasn't necessarily a, a good thing. And you can be busy, but you can be non-profitable. So, um, you know, a lot of, lot of lessons along the way and uh, got to got to a point in, in a couple of years into this where we're working to get get our, our boss essentially out of this financial crisis that he had dug himself into um, and not having ideas and things that we wanted to implement to make this business even more successful. And, the, and they were always being put off and pushed to the side. And that, that ego, you know, the guy was a nice guy, but just that ego where, no, we tried that before. Or we've done that before. And these were these weren't like big investment ideas. These were, you know, networking. These were some marketing. These were let's let's make sure we have a website. You know, this is 2010 and we don't have a website. Come on. You know, I don't know if that whole internet thing is going to take off. You know that, that <laughs> you know that kind of that kind of mentality. So, um, you know, in, in 2012, we finally uh, purchased the business because we said, "To hell with this! If we're going to be working day and night, getting this ship righted, and paying off debts, and helping get this business going in the right direction, we need to have some equity in the business." And we were smart enough to have. Uh, advisors and people that were in our corner. And that's another thing that, you know, as, as you're listening to this entrepreneur, it, it's so great to have, to make war with a multitude of counselors, as, as I like to quote the, the great verse. And having people in your corner and being, being open and teachable and coachable to listen to what they have to say, and then not only listen and nod your head along, but actually go into action and, and, dig deeper and find out, okay, well, what exactly can I do with this? Where can I take this nugget of wisdom that a business owner that's traveled this road and's already, you know, ha got this well-worn path and, and tried and true wisdom that they're passing along to me. What could I do with this to implement it in my business and not just let it go by the wayside? And uh, my my partner Mike, who I, was like a brother to me, and I and I love him so much. And I'm I, I took, called him the other day. I said, Mike, I would not do this if it wasn't for you. So you know, 
we got this this business out of out of the verge of bankruptcy and now 2012 we say okay we're buying this we're, we're buying this business we're, we're going to pay this thing off and we had a plan to, to pay off the business and actually overpaid for it but we saw the value robert we we saw what the value was we knew where we can improve it we had counselors that would gave us tips tricks strategies and we were so grateful to them for all the wisdom that they imparted with us but then we had to actually take action on this stuff and uh you know that that was 2012 and we're we're in we're in the midst of you know now we're we're buying the business we're in we're in an operating agreement our lease runs out in 2014 well, 2014 was an interesting year for me. First of all, it was the first year of marriage. I had, uh, you know, we just, you know, renovated a house and we had the house just the way we wanted it. So my wife and I were, were very happy to be expecting our first son, 2014. And our, our lease is getting ready to run out. So we're, we're excited about this kind of first few years in business and we, we've paid the, the actual business part of this thing off and looking kind of ahead to, um, you know, maybe purchasing the building that we're in and, and the owner of the business actually owned the building as well. Well, 2014, the, the owner had some different ideas. He, <laughs> he wanted to jack the rent up and now he's starting to see some, you know, Wiley Coyote start seeing the, the dollar signs and, you know, made a few mistakes financially that that won't get into here on this episode. That might be for a whole nother one. But came to us and said, you know, I, I'm we're you guys, you guys are out of here. And now, two, you know, here's two young entrepreneurs. We just got this business on the right track, paid off all the debts, the taxes, uh, made it profitable. You know, life, life's life looks pretty good, but we're we're really busy, Robert. We're grinding. We're you know, and, and every, he and he benefited and he benefited from all of that. Oh, he was benefiting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> made some, you know, you know, made some made some improvements on the property and um, found out that he had a, a sizable tax debt that he owed, property tax debt that he hadn't been paying on. So that was that was kind of impetus to, to getting us out of there because he had he was maybe going to try to restart another automotive repair shop under a different name, but. I will tell you, I'm sitting here today and I'm smiling and we're, we're laughing about this because that didn't happen. And we were able to purchase the building and, and uh, you know, get that all under one roof. And it was, you know, by the grace of God that this happened. And um, it's amazing things happen along the way. But it just goes to show you that, you know, we have these setbacks in business. There's the good, really, really good days that we have. And then there's the really, really bad days that we have. And we've all faced them and we could all, you know, drink a beer or have a shot of whiskey over them or, you know, and go through all these things that we've all been through. And it, it shows up and happens in so many different ways. And where, where I would love to add the value is to tell any business owner that will listen to me is you're not alone. You're not alone, and your situation is not unique. Thousands, hundreds of thousands of business owners face the same thing that you face, and that's why we do these podcasts. That's why we all connect. That's why we collaborate because, Robert, if you'll, I, I bet you'll agree with this, 
if I went through it, I don't want anybody else to go through well, it. There, yeah. There's definitely that power, but it's, it's funny how entrepreneurship is a lot like being a teenager and, and the ideas that pop in your head when you're a teenager and you think I'm the only one on the whole planet that feels this way. And then when you become an entrepreneur and, and you, you completely forget about those teenage years and you just have the same thought, I'm the only one that doesn't know how to do this. And, and, and the crazy thing is there's this, well, you mentioned it from your former boss, right? The ego and the pride sometimes can get in the way. Um, especially, you know, as a coach, one of the challenges is, is, is being able to say, well, I don't know how to do that or, you know, and being okay with, not having all the answers, right? This idea, well, I'm the coach. The coach is supposed to know everything and 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 have all the have all the answers. And then, you know, I can't sell, you know, I can't sell <clears throat> heaters to Eskimos. Maybe that's the opposite, right? Because I, I need help with sales. I I'd never done sales. And so being okay hiring a sales coach and 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 getting some some support in the sales area. And it's crazy. Why is that so hard? Why is that why is that so complicated for our our little brain to let go of? Hey, it's okay to ask for help. <laughs> well, it's in our it's it's in our ego, you know. It's it's in, built into our culture. It's, it's in every walk. It's everywhere we turn. You know, we're in we're in a comparison economy where everything ha I have to compare myself to everything, and I have to feel uh, bigger than everybody else or smaller than everybody else. It's it's that it's just such so ego driven and so material driven, you know, and and um. You know, I'm here to say, yeah, in that, you know, like you were saying about, you know, I'm the only one facing this. It's that saying like it's lonely at the top. No, it's not. It doesn't no, have to be. doesn't have to be. I, I was just at a network networking group this morning that I've been a part of for six years. And this is all the top professionals in, in, in different industries across our, our general area. And they're all successful. They all do a very good job in their in their respective fields. And boy, do we always have the greatest meetings where if, if somebody's if somebody's winning, we're we're congratulating them. If somebody's down, we're we're you know we're we're just you know get getting them encouraged and uplifted. And it's not lonely at the top. And I would encourage uh. any entrepreneurs that are out there that might feel like Robert and I are talking, say. You know, look look for your people. Look for your local people and you know, local network. There's a lot of speed networking. There's a lot of virtual networking. There's so much that that you. There's so many ways you can play with that. But you know, just uh, a great resource. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned some things early on, and I definitely don't want to let those let those go by, um, because I think about you know you're working in an automotive shop that's fairly significant size, and you start out sweeping the floors, and and there's 20 other guys that are that are working their way up and doing and doing their job and yet and yet you become the owner and you mentioned treating the business as if you own it and let's dig into that a little bit and why that makes you different than the other 20 guys turning wrenches you know it's and i didn't learn this until later where it was in you know a print form you know but napoleon hill hmm. Do, do more than what you're paid to do. Um, and, you know, I go back to, to the Bible where it's, it's uh, given, it shall be given back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. That's so it's, and that's in anything in your life, right? So if you're giving into that business, 
what you would want somebody to give back to you in that business, right? So it's like I show up in good faith every day. I show up on time. I treat that that business as if it's my own. If I see a piece of sandpaper laying on the floor, I, I pick it up and put it in a bag so that we can reuse it. I see the the dimes and the nickels sitting on the floor, and you know sometimes we feel that it goes unnoticed. Um, I can tell you as a business owner, it does not go unnoticed. I went into my shop the other day and the guys had completely cleaned the whole place. When you walk into our automotive shop, and if you're ever in the New Haven, Connecticut area and you like a free tour, come on by. (laughs) But the guys cleaned the whole shop up. They swept the floors. They hung up all, you know, we have a lot of parts hanging around and we, we deal with cars that have been in accidents. And it just, it could just be a literal wreck there. But these guys took an hour out of their day. And of course, I, you know, I, I, they were on the clock, but they took the time to organize the shop, an organized shop, any, anything, anything you do that's organized. It's going to flow better. You're, you're going to find your parts. You're going to find your tools. You're going to not fall over. They create a hazard. My insurance guy would love me for saying that, right? You know, and I'll wrap up all the cords. Like these guys treat it as if it's their own business. And that was the same mentality that I brought in because, you know, selfishly, Robert, I did it for myself. I didn't want to work in a pigsty. I didn't want to work in somewhere that was, you know, my one of my friends came to drop their car off. I wanted them to see this business and be like, wow, Joe works at a nice place. You know, I, I had that that pride of of owner, you know, ownership, even though I didn't own it. I wanted my friends and my family to come do business there. Um, I wanted that if we were at a dinner and say, hey, can can you fix this little dent in my car? I don't want them to show up to some place and like, oh my God, is my car gonna have the wheels on it still <laughs> when I pick it up? <laughs> <laughs> well. Absolutely. I mean, there's sometimes you go to a shop and it looks like they don't know the left parts from the right parts. And <laughs> and so yeah. you definitely, you know, you want to have a shop that that looks like it, the people know what they're doing. And organization definitely helps with that. The other the other piece you mentioned in there um, is advisors and and being able to to have mentors and the, and the power of mentorship. Uh, and I think obviously now for you, you know, you've, you've moved into the coaching space. You recognize the power of mentorship in your own life and now your ability to pass that on and, and mentor others. Um, so let's talk about the power of mentors and helping you make those, some of those challenging decisions that you, you guys faced as, as prospective business owners and then as business owners. You know, Robert, having mentors and having coaches and people that really watched our back it was hard at first because when we transitioned from business, you know, business employees to owners, I remember the first time that I had I was allowed to make a quote unquote business decision, and it was our our uh, business insurance. So I had a a family friend that we were just having a, a holiday, and he said, "Hey, uh, you know." Just curious who, who does your, your business insurance. I know you're starting to take over a little bit more of the reins of the business. You know, I'd love to quote your business insurance. So I I said, sure. I said, well, you know, I, I could ask my boss and, and I'll let him know. And, you know, so it sounds good. And he had given me some, some criteria. So I said, okay. Went in on Monday and I, I told my boss, he said, hey, um, 
so-and-so owns an insurance agency, would love to quote the insurance for us. You know, gave me a little talking points. I gave him a few of the talking points that he kind of coached me through. And he said, yeah, go, go for it. So I gave him all the policies and all the, all the things that we needed to have for different you know, companies that we dealt with. And he came back and he was going to save us $10,000 a year, $10,000 a year in business insurance. And I'm like, Robert, I felt like a hero. I'm like, oh my gosh, like here, you know, here is, you know, I'm making maybe eight or $900 a week at the time. I'm like, man, this is a, a salary. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> this is pinning, this is pinning one on my chest here. And I, so I said, Hey, he came back, you know, came back about three or four days later. And he, I said, here's the, here's the quote and here, we're going to save $10,000. And he told me kind of, you know, line by line, just to show you coverages are the same and kind of had this over here and that over there. And this is good. So he said, well, you know, then, then go, go ahead go, let's change insurance. And so I call, I called up the agent and I said, Hey, we're, I didn't know that you, you know, how this was done. I just called up and said, Hey, we're going to, we're going to use somebody else. And oh, oh my God, he says, what do you mean you're going to use somebody else? And oh, they started losing his mind. <laughs> well, yeah. Cause that 10,000 was coming out of his. <laughs> yeah, man. So, and, and that's the thing. And I, and so going back to mentors and, and people that you, you know, those counselors that you had, I call, I, I called, you know, this guy up and I said, Hey, you know, I trust you. I know you like, you trust you. I know you wouldn't steer us wrong. You know, I'm in this position, you know, I'm new in this position. Why is this guy like losing his mind? Right. And he's like, I, I don't want to, you know, smirch anybody. I don't want to say anything, but what, what he's getting is called a chargeback. And because this is he already got paid on this commission on a renewal, so he's going to have to take this and and he probably got around five thousand dollars of a commission for this for this renewal. So you say you you know you 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 hit a hornet's nest, but this was something I needed to know. This was something I needed to know for the next you know however long I'm in business that this this happens and this is how they make their money and you know that hey hey look everything looks good this year you know go ahead with you with your renewal now i shot my insurance regularly because i knew now this is something i had to learn and that i knew this what, what is what would happen so i learned to do it sooner in the process because i didn't want the guy to get charged back it wasn't my it wasn't my intent to to cost him financially no, but, but at the same time, it shouldn't be his intent to cost your business correct. in the process either. And so that's the that's the thing. That's the power of communication. That's the power of oh. knowing what questions to ask and and being willing to to have conversations about things that people don't talk about. Right? I it's coming up more and more on the show and in more and more conversations that we have communities, entire communities, entire generations of people that were taught not to talk about money. Mm -hmm. Right. You don't talk about your salary. You don't talk about how much money you're making. You don't talk about your mortgage. You don't talk about your interest rate. You don't talk about what the bank is doing or, or where you're saving your money. And guess what happens when you don't talk about it? These kind of exact scenarios where somebody's making a little bit extra, they're charging a little extra fee, they're charging this other thing, and they're telling you, oh, that's just, that's normal. And until you ask, until you bring it up, 
And 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 now we've got entire communities of people that are are being charged different fees. They're being charged different rates. We've got men and women being paid different salaries. And you know what solves that? Not making laws about it, not making rules where employers have to pay, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know what? It's transparency. It's talking about it and saying, hey, my salary is this and we're doing the same job and your salary is what? Right. And and it's it's giving people permission to go next door to their neighbor and say, hey, what's your mortgage rate? Right. You know what the wealthy do? They talk about their deals. Right. Those networking meetings when they're having conversations. They're talking about their deals, not to brag about them, not to to one up each other, but to say, hey, you know what? I got this great deal. I got the money from the bank at two percent. I put it in at seven percent. I'm getting seven percent back. So I'm making five percent on the, you know, in, in between. And and they talk about their deals. They talk about their money. And it's same thing. You talk about your insurance, right? And say, yeah. hey, this insurance agent's giving me this. And guess what? You're either going to match it or I'm out. <laughs> but until people talk about it and, and it's OK to talk about, it's crazy to me that we have people living in our country, the greatest country in the world, afraid to talk about money. It, the other thing they're afraid to talk about is sex. And, and the fact that you can't talk about sex and money are the craziest thing in the world to me because they're the two greatest things that we have available to us Amen to seriously <laughs> well can i can i take that can i take that about um you know talking about the, the finance can i take that one one another step further? of course you know and that was one of the things that i learned through networking was um you know especially uh cash value life insurance as a business owner to have a become your own bank um, you know, I don't you know if you're familiar with infinite banking. Nelson Nash is one of my, you know, one of my favorites. And, um, you know, I say to my my agent, it's, you know, we're with Northwest Mutual, which is it's a great company, is that I said, I know more about cash value, whole life insurance than most life insurance agents know. And that was only because I, I decided that I, I, I got one little piece from a mentor. He, he shared an, a whole new idea for me and opened my eyes and, and I started studying and I asked more questions and I asked another question and I would call him up on a Saturday and say, hey, I have this idea and, and does this, will this function as this? And he said, oh yeah, that's that's what it's designed for. And like you were saying, a lot of people don't talk about money or they're not, they're not comfortable talking about it. This is one of those things where you know, you, you might get into a circle and somebody would say just as much as people would be willing to talk about it. They're so willing to just shun ideas and just say, Oh no, that doesn't work. You know, um, like, you know, I'm in a, I'm in a B and I chapter. That's where we network. And I can't tell you how many times people say, Oh yeah, I tried that B and I, it doesn't work. And it's like, to me, all of this ties into, I, I, we're, we, we do a small little garden here at the house and my four-year-old, was you know he's seven now when he was four we we started letting him you know put the seeds in the little seedlings and every single day he would go out and look at him and say <laughs> and say when's it going to be a tomato when's it going to be a tomato when's what a great tomato? lesson you, you know and and i i learned that from a from a four-year-old just i love that story and i tell it over and over because that's what we do oftentimes we plant the seed if we plant the seed, I hope we at least plant the seed. We plant the seed and then we go out 
and we look at it and we look at oh it's not doing anything oh it's not it's not it's not working it's not doing anything and then we just give up and we stop watering and we stop you know it's just or worse or worse we dig it up to check wait yeah. is it still in there <laughs> oh, did, I, did i really plant it oh let me see and my my son bruno taught me that that lesson and and i and i apply that to you know we're we're a down we're in a down financial market right now okay we're not going to just sell everything off and just just pack it all in and you know move to a cabin in the woods no we we stay in here we invest we 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 dollar cost average down like that's what the that's what the rich people are doing that's what wealthy people are doing they don't panic they're not panicking right now and in you know 2020 it was when when I decided to be to become throw my hat in the ring and and try to help other business owners. That's what people were doing. PPP was coming along. Nobody really didn't. Nobody really knew what this what PPP was going to be. What you know? What are we going to do? I said, well, what were you, what are your kind of your fail safes that you have in place? What are you talking about fail safes? A cushion of money. You got you know a little bank of what do you have? What are, what are you working on? And all we all had the same access to the information. We all have a cell phone. We all have an internet connection. YouTube, books that are three dollars and two dollars and a dollar on the bargain bin that we can look through. And to have all the information in the world at our fingertips. What, what do they say? We have more information in this one device than than uh, you know. People have had in like the Library of Congress. You know, oh, absolutely! Well, we can learn all that information. We have it at our fingertips. We will be right back after this short break. This episode is sponsored by the newly released book *Dream Life Planner: Move from Tired and Overwhelmed to Free and Empowered* by Noel L. Peterson. Available on Amazon, or you can order a personalized signed copy at empower e m p o w e r two dream that's empower number two dream.com. If you enjoy the show, please like and subscribe, leave a review, tell your friends. Welcome back. Let's get back to more greatness. So, so here's the challenge, right? Is a business owner gets into business to make money, right? You 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 got into the automotive shop, obviously you started out as a salary, but then you guys bought the shop to make money. And 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 you get caught up in the idea that the shop is the vehicle. Right. The shop is the vehicle to make money. And and you're convinced that the vehicle is going to going to create wealth. And that's the difference is the vehicle can create money. It can't create wealth. Likely most businesses can't by themselves. Right. And the same thing with a lawyer or a dentist or even a doctor. Right. They're really good technicians. They're just like your automotive technicians. They're really good at what they do, but they still have a limit of time, a limit of capability of, of doing a certain amount and so they believe that that vehicle is the one that's going to lead them to wealth. But all that vehicle does is help create cash. And now you've got to figure out what am I going to do to keep this cash and let it work for me? And an infinite banking is, is one, one, one vehicle that can certainly lead to a lot of freedom and creates opportunities to, to do more things. And then of course there's the self-employed IRAs that, that are another really powerful vehicle, especially if if you're a big investor on the backside and, and creating creating wealth to use a Roth IRA and putting it all back in there 
you can double and triple your money without paying taxes on a Roth IRA for self-employment. And, and, and of course they're not talking about those because financial advisors don't make any money on those. Just like the infinite banking, you know, the insurance guy does a little bit, but, but the true value in it is far beyond what, what they're generating, you know, through, through their typical financial advising services. Um, and so, yeah, it's, uh, it's crazy. And and why doesn't anyone talk about, well, well, my financial advisor wouldn't approve that. And like, you're right. Cause he doesn't make anything from it. Right. <laughs> he doesn't benefit from it. And so, and, and, and I think that's one of the other places that we need transparency, right? Is, is when a financial advisor is presenting you with products and presenting you with these opportunities. He, and I think insurance agents should be the same, right? We're presenting you with these products. This is where I benefit from it. Right. And and being clear Perfect. that I benefit a little bit more if you take these ones than these ones. And and they may be better. They may have more value. Right. But but they need to, to be able to communicate that, hey, there's value here and, and I benefit. Right. Same with your mechanics. Right. Hey, I pay my mechanic seventy five dollars an hour. The shop is charging one hundred and fifty an hour. And and of course, we got to cover the cost of the shop, the insurance, the, the equipment and all of those things that, you know, and, and people understand that. You know, it's it's not like we have to hide this. I, I want to pay people that are making money. I want to help people make money in their business when they're when I'm buying insurance, when I'm banking, when I'm doing these things. But I want to be able to get in the game too, right? The bank doesn't need to be winning each time. You know, I thought about the tax lien, right? So you find out that the owner's got this tax issue and you go get the tax lien on the building and then then he's in all kinds of trouble. <laughs> because <laughs> you can get the building regardless of what he does because right. a tax lien becomes the first lien holder. And if the mortgage holder decides not to, not to, not to pay the taxes, which you get great bent tax liens in here in Colorado, they're 9% in Texas, they're 25%. I don't know what they are in Connecticut, but it becomes the first lien holder. So you're almost guaranteed to get, to get paid, but You've got to have multiple vehicles. That's the biggest thing, right? Multiple vehicles. Your business alone is not going to help generate wealth, but use your business to generate cash and then use that cash to start generating multiple streams of income, right? Whether that be investment opportunities, business opportunities, and, and even savings opportunities can be included in that. But the multiple streams of income protects you from whatever downturns, right? Right now, the market's down, but real estate's nuts. <laughs> like I just talked to a client yesterday, tomorrow, yesterday in Florida and properties in Naples, Florida, six months ago that were going for 700,000 are now going for millions. And, yep. and, and, and yeah, they feel like there might be a bubble, but real estate will still be real estate. Even if there is a little bubble, <laughs> it's not like 2008. Although it, it could head that way with more and more mortgage companies switching to adjustable rates again. Um, we'll see what that does, but that's why you need multiple vehicles, right? Yeah, I, 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 I totally, totally agree. And, and all the vehicles that you mentioned, they're, they're phenomenal vehicles. And going back to our original point was a lot of people don't talk about these things and, and they don't share these strategies. And we go to the advisors, right? We go to the people that should have our best interest and they say, no, nah, you don't want that. You, you, you said that, you know, I just wanted to emphasize that point. There's not saying it for the re for a reason, you know, there's, there's accounting things that you could do. It takes the accountant a little more work to do that. 
you know, and, and to sit down and have a, have a conversation with your tax attorney, with your uh, financial planner, with your business coach, there's a, there's a novel idea, right? <laughs> and put a plan together because what works for, for Robert might not work for Joe. What works for Robert and Joe might not work for the other two entrepreneurs. So everybody needs to have that individualized plan. And that's and and that's the that's what's going to get you ahead and what's going to give you freedom and <laughs> boy it's it's uh, it's good to to talk to another business owner that gets it. Yeah, well, and I only learned it by getting into mastermind rooms and getting into into groups that are smarter than me, and and they're not cheap groups necessarily. That you know some of these mastermind groups that I've been in are 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 were were over my head at the time, but the the amount of information that's talked about in those rooms and the deals that are happening. And, and the, you know, I interviewed one of the ladies that was in, in that first mastermind I was in. And she's like, the first time I got into this group, I was dumbfounded that a single individual person could be making that much money. And, and the reality of there's so many people in our culture that are just going through the motions and my dad went through the motions and he did all, all the right things. He worked a blue collar job for 28 years at the same company. And he retired with basically a million dollars in his, in his IRA. And that million dollars is working for him. But there's so few people that live the lifestyle that my dad lived and, and set aside and save in the way that my dad saved uh, that, that the truth is you've got to have a significant bigger pool to pull from. And now, of course, the market's down. And and as of January, you know, January to April, you know, his his portfolio is down like eight percent. You know, so we're still looking for ways. Hey, how can we diversify this? And and now I've got different questions. Now I can, you know, I, I've learned enough information. And he has some Northwestern Mutual whole life policies that let me tell you how long he's had them. <laughs> yeah. My mom's $5,000 whole life policy has a cash value of $10,000. And, and those are small numbers, but, but those policies have been paid for for a long time. Dad's taken loans off of those policies, and he's done some of the things on a short-term basis that some people are doing on a regular basis and, and using those resources in a different way. And, and it really does boil down to being in the room and being willing to learn from, from people that are doing you know, um, Robert Allen's going to be a guest in the show in at the end of this month. And, uh, you know, he teaches no money down real estate deals and, and using other people's money for real estate deals. And everybody's like, oh, that'll never work. I could never do that. And and he's the one that talks about he was the first one I learned tax liens in, in different states. And and my wife was listening. We were listening to it on Audible and my wife's on her phone looking it up. Colorado tax liens. Every county in the state of Colorado auctions tax liens. Now, Colorado is only 9%, but still 9% is going to kick your bank's CD rate or any other rate is 9% guaranteed per year. That, that can be a pretty good, pretty good investment. And the mortgage companies are motivated to pay the tax lien before, before it you know, becomes your property. And so, so the mortgage company doesn't want to lose their money because the tax lien has top position over the mortgage holder. And if it if it they forfeit the mortgage, then you own the house. <laughs> so that's pretty powerful. And so they're going to pay that nine percent. You're going to get your money. That's pretty cool. Like 
if you have that resource to put into that stream of income. But you don't learn that stuff unless you start listening to people that are teaching it and and going, really, that works. And he's yeah. like, of course, the banks don't talk about those tax liens because they're the ones sitting in that auction room trying to buy them all. Right. Because they want to use your money to buy your tax lien to protect their mortgage. And then they get they win double. Right. Because now they've got the mortgage and the tax lien and they're making nine percent extra on the you know the tax money. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> it, it certainly is. And, you know, go, going back to having the, you know, having these different vehicles and, and getting in, getting in the room where I, where I like to share in the room is you have a small business. You don't have to be there for 50, 60 hours a week. <laughs> Slaving away at this thing. And, you know, it, it's, it's your job. It's not your business. You know, that's and, right. They own a job and they're a terrible, they a owner. they're a terrible boss. <laughs> And, and, but, uh, you know, that's one of the things I love helping business owners with. And anytime I'm in a room, I love talking about that and, and showing them a different way that nobody's talking about. So so let's talk a little bit about designing your business around the lifestyle that you want yeah. and and being able to replace yourself. I just we just released yesterday an interview with um, Rob Johnson. He's a DJ. And now he started this uh, bocce bus, their their uh, food trucks, and they've multiplied from San Diego to Los Angeles. Now they're in Miami, and and he learned as a barback to duplicate himself ten times, and and same thing in 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 cooking. He started out as the cook, but you can only have one food truck if you're the cook. But if you duplicate yourself ten times, you can have ten food trucks. <laughs> And so the idea of duplicate yourself so that you're not a slave to your business as so many people become, and you mentioned it, right? All you do is own a job <laughs> and, and you don't want to own a job. So help, help a little bit, just real quick about designing a business around the life. And I think people should design their life first, right? Design the life that you want and then design your business around it and build your business to serve the life that you want. Yeah. You, you know, and again, Stuff nobody talks about, and I'm happy to to be here sharing this with somebody that's going to say, you know what? Yeah, I, I'm I'm I own a job right now, and I don't want to own this job anymore. I want I want a, I want a little freedom. Um, I had mentioned earlier 2014, and culmination of that of that year, and just that crazy year. Well, August August comes, and I I have a panic attack in the middle of a work day. I have Mike, my business partner, bring me to the emergency room. Rut row. Rut row. 50, 60 hours a week going home, do, going on Facebook, doing the marketing, trying to trying to create some kind of a website, update it. And I'm, I'm burning myself out. I'm burning both ends of that candle. And I'm not taking care of my body. I'm, I'm, I'm not, you know, eating right. I'm not drinking right. I'm not sleeping. And I'm doing all these things that we, we intuitively know we need to do. And the simple things that we we should do, but I just wasn't doing them. <laughs> and 2014, it said, "Nope, no more. We're not. You're not doing this anymore." And coming out of that was was another opportunity to find find a mentor and find people that were living the life that they wanted to live and not stressing, burning themselves out, overwhelming themselves. And enjoying their life. It must be possible. I, and I'm going to find somebody to help me do this. And it really was 
when I learned that I was the cause of it all. It was it anybody else I could, yeah, <laughs> and learning that de designing the life that you want to live, you're good. A hundred, you know, my, my, my life insurance buddy said to me today, did his little pitch at BNI. He goes, there's a hundred, a hundred percent of experts agree. The mortality rate is 100%. We're, we're not making it out of here alive. So what do we want? When that final day comes, do we want to say, I wish I did, or I'm glad I did? Mm, powerful. And I, and I learned that. And I said, wow, that would have, would have shift. And now I'm bringing a child into this world. And now I have two boys. Am I bringing a child into this world to show them how to burn out, how to just grind and stress and hustle? Or am I going to show them how to build something, build something that will outlast me, it'll outlast him, and he can do it with, with it, whatever he wants to do? Or am I going to show him that you just go pedal to the metal till you're 65 and then maybe enjoy a few good years if you're lucky? And, and then you die. Like that's, what am I going to show him? And if, if 2014, if that doesn't happen, that was the trajectory we were on. And we're going to teach him this and just create another generation of, you know, you could sleep when you're dead. And you mentioned something really powerful in there. And it's, it's reminding me of Wallace D. Waddle's words. You know, if anyone in your town can be successful, if anyone in your town can, you know, is rich if anyone in your industry is rich um and, and so you mentioned you know well there's other people that have this freedom um then why why don't i right and so now here you are your guy owns an automotive shop and a body shop right two different mechanics two different types of, of businesses and and now you found this freedom right that you can take an hour you're not on the garage floor having to having to change oil because because you've created a business that, that gives you the freedom to not only spend time on this podcast, but now you're spending time coaching others and, and doing other things besides being a slave to your business. Um, and so I, I love that. I love that, you know, you're studying money. So let's talk about self-care and, and the need for self-care as an entrepreneur. You know, Robert, I thought self-care was, was selfish. I really thought that, you know, I had to be the guy. I was. I had to wear the S on my chest, and you know, do everything for everybody at any time, and pick up that phone. And when that phone, you know, that phone was the bat phone. I had to pick it up and answer it, and I would schedule everything else, but never schedule anything for myself. What what grew out of that, Robert, was was complete resentment was anger, was, was stress, was overwhelmed, was no boundaries, was, you know, I, I said yes to, to everything in that. And, and again, for anything in your life to change, you have to change. Well, that was, I was the one that, that agreed to all this crap. <laughs> nobody, nobody, nobody was forcing me to do any of this. They might've requested it, but I didn't have to agree to it and, and overcomplicate my life. And I always complained that I didn't have any time for myself. Oh, I never have any time for myself. Oh, I wish I could. I was the. I wish I could. I wish I could. I wish I could. But when I when I really sat down and I thought about it, and what I what I work with business owners with now is start with a blank sheet of paper. 
You wake up in the morning, start off with that blank sheet of paper. And when you, when you realize that you don't need to do anything, there's nothing required of you to do anything. Whatever you actually do aligns with, the perp, with your purpose in life. Okay, I have two children. I have to make them breakfast, right? I have the children. I, that's my responsibility. I want them to be well nurtured and fed. I have to make them breakfast, right? But do I have to pick up a phone call while I'm, while I'm getting them ready for school? No, I don't have to. I can have that time. That's self-care. Is I am giving myself boundaries that I am just like a business. So if you open 8 a.m. to 4 p.m., okay, well, if somebody comes at 8 o'clock at night, they can't, they can't utilize your services because you're not open. And that was with a bit, and one of the biggest things for me was I, I had Joe hours. <laughs> Joe's open from this to this, and that was, and that was it. And in that time, if I, if I needed to be reached or accessed, you had access to me. But then there were times where I scheduled time for myself schedule time for my wife, schedule time for my boys. And as, as I began to schedule that, more and more people would appreciate and respect that boundary and say, I don't want to interrupt any time with your family. And taking that time and putting it right in the calendar, just open up your whatever you use for a calendar app and put, put Joe, Robert, put us, put our, yourself in the calendar because just like when they tell you on that plane, and I know this is cliche and people might roll their eyes, but it's so true. When you're in the plane, what's the first thing they tell you to do? That air mask drops, you put it on your face first, and then you could go help everybody else because if you add oxygen, you can help 0% of the people. <laughs> That's right. It, and and it's it's crazy. Now, you talked about boundaries, and, and in the midst of saying – I'm setting these boundaries around the things that are important to me. So I'm setting boundaries around the time with my kids. I'm setting boundaries around the time with my wife and, and I'm setting boundaries in, in certain areas of my business where I'm available or not available. And you mentioned the really important things. People honor those people respect you for having boundaries. Now, if you don't have boundaries, are they going to take advantage of you? Heck yeah, Joe, man, I'm at the shop. It's eight o'clock. I know. <laughs> I know you're at home with the family, but would you come over and help me change the battery real quick? I, I just need a little help, right? Of course, they're going to take advantage of you not having boundaries <laughs> because they're not, their boundaries are different. Their boundary is I need this car at 8 a.m. in the morning to get me to work. <laughs> right. And, and so it's, it's, it's not their fault that if you don't have boundaries, right? You can't expect everybody else around you to honor your values. You've got to honor them first. And when you do honor them, guess what? Everybody else is like, that's cool. I like that. I'm going to yeah. do business with Joe. Hey, Joe, I'll be there at 8 a.m. because I appreciate you taking care of your family. You don't lose the business. You gain business. <laughs> well, you know, and, and, th and this is one of, one of the things I thought about when I, when I, when I thought about this, this analogy was, you, you know, you go into a McDonald's. Most McDonald's are over 24 hours a day. At 7 a.m. or 7 p.m., you know exactly what you're going to get there, okay? And it's it's not it's not the Ritz Carlton. It's not the uh, you know you're not you're not getting a five star Michelin meal there, okay? When when you attract people that want 
that five-star Michelin experience and meal, those people will flock to you. And when you have that laser focus and you're, you're clear on who you are, what you do, what you don't do, they'll, they will come to you. You will not need a ton of marketing. You will be well known and they'll know exactly what they can come to you. And that's when you could charge whatever you want to charge for prices. That's where, where they'll come because they know the value. If McDonald's opened up tomorrow morning and said, we're going to start charging $10 for this hamburger because, you know, five guys charges $10 for this hamburger. Or, you know, we just saw this new hotel opened up and they got a $15 hamburger. Nobody would ever go to McDonald's again. Nobody's going to go to McDonald's for a $15 hamburger. You know, well, they know their market, right? They know their niche and they stick right. to it and they're very good at it. And, and I think, I think business owners recognizing you've, you've, you've talked about, all right, now our niche is a little bit better customer service. And, and you mentioned Michelin five-star, which is of course a fascinating connection between the automotive world and the food world, which is, you know, I think is, I, I think is amazing, right? A tire company is known worldwide for giving chefs stars and, and, and it all started with the road trip <laughs> and, and people using up their tires. <laughs> and so it's a fascinating thing that, that the biggest restaurant rating system was created by a tire company, um, which is, you know, terrific, but the same thing can be said for your automotive store, right? I'm, I'm, am I high end? Am I low end? And you know, who is my niche? Right. And of course, Customers aren't going to come in and expecting five-star service, bringing in their Ferrari or their Mercedes, and and you look into the shop and the rags are all over the floor and parts are all over the counters and and the little pile of tires in the back is hasn't been picked up in you know six months, and and your mechanics aren't wearing a clean shirt each day. They're you know covered in grease and they're wiping their hands off on their shirts. And yeah, you've got to know your you've got to know your 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 niche and you've got to be experts in in your area and it's okay to be the mechanic that wipes his hands on his shirt if he knows that the customers he's serving are coming in in kias right and and, he, and he's going to serve the the lower end customer but he's never going to get out of that and he's always going to be owning his job and and i think excellence breeds excellence right and having excellence is going to create bigger sales you charge a higher fee and, and you get a better clientele. And the same thing happens in the coaching world. If you charge $100 an hour, you get a $100 an hour client. And chances are they're not going to do what you tell them to do. They're not going to do what you what they tell themselves to do. And, and they're, not gonna get the, <laughs> they're not going to get the results. And so then you don't even get testimonies because you get clients that, that aren't really good clients. But what happens when you charge a higher fee, there's higher value. And the people that invest in a higher value are committed to doing the work and committed to doing what it takes, but they're a much smaller percentage. You're not going to make as many sales, but when you're charging a thousand dollars an hour, you get a different clientele and you don't need near as many of them. And guess what they get? Great results because they're committed to the process and they're committed to the value and the investment in themselves. Yeah, it's absolutely niche. Niche is important and value is a, as a whole 
conversation between the difference between value and price is 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 always an intriguing conversation. If you're focused on price, you don't understand value. <laughs> yeah, you know, I went through so many mentors and so many people that have helped me. And I, you know, I'm sure you, you can attest to this. You know, how many how many business lunches and how many seminars and how many books that you've read. And you know, I I remember looking at a, a, a seminar one time and, and the it was like a thousand dollars for for you know one you know maybe a three hour seminar. And when I thought about it, I said they're multi-million dollar people giving this giving this talk, giving this seminar. What's the hourly value of what they know? And if I implement one strategy that they are proposing in this seminar, how much is that going to bring me for my, what's the return on in that investment? You're, what you said, the value, what is the actual value? And I remember going and doing exactly that and implementing that, you know, we're talking thousands of percent our return on investment of my time and my money, right? To now be working in my business less than five hours per week in both of the businesses and investing time with mentors and asking those tough, you know, we said earlier, asking those questions and listening and taking action and giving feedback to the mentors that cost me a, a price of a couple lunches and, and reading some books and taking some, some thoughtful action, tens of thousand percent are return on investment now. And now I'm able to spend that time with, with my kids. And what's that return on investment? The time that I spend with my two sons and I'm able to be a present father. What's we don't even know the return on that investment yet. Ooh. All right, we're gonna switch it up a little bit. What was your favorite, most memorable date with your wife? Mem most memorable date with my wife was on our honeymoon in uh, Ia Santorini. We were overlooking the caldera, the volcano, you know, the volcanic rock. It was just kind of sunset. We hit it just right for the sunset, and it was our one of the first dinners we had on our honeymoon. And boy, it's anytime I close my eyes, I need a good smile. It goes right back there. Nice. So what do you love to do in your free time with your boys? Oh, my goodness. So my seven-year-old is a soccer player. So it's usually we're on a soccer field. Um, but I, I love cooking and I love including them in the preparation and the serving. Um, I got my sons on Sunday after we'll do a, a typical three-course Italian meal I taught them how to use the espresso machine so dad could sit down and and have fun with the with the company and my sons could bring us espresso seven and three. We haven't knock on wood, we haven't lost the espresso cup yet. Oh, nice. <laughs> They're not as big to carry, so it's it should be all right. We got them saucers. <laughs> all right, Joe, what what inspires you? Uh, inspires me that one person that's out there that I can help that just that mm -hmm. one person that I can just give back to. And, you know, we're on the ladder of success just as much as we have to look up, we have to go back down and help those people. So just, I, I look for one person to help and, you know, usually it comes in multiples of that, but just that one person inspires me because I know I can help them. Nice. 
All right, Joe, what's your big dream? The big dream is to get this message of time freedom out to millions of people, saving um, families that would be lost to the busyness of this world and the 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 overcomplication of of the the, the world that we live in today. Um, the big dream is to save millions of hours for business owners and just regular folks and, and get them more grounded with their families, their faith and their community. Hmm. That's so good. All right, Joe, you've just spent an hour networking with entrepreneurs and you're going to leave them with Joe's words of wisdom. What are you going to share? You know, it's, it's about giving. And when we learn that we can give, 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 but until we actually learn the art of receiving we didn't complete the circle of giving. And I love and I love your logo, which is a, a circle. You know, it's a circle and it's that connected. We have to learn to receive. That's our harvest. When we plant those seeds and we do let them get in the ground and we do water them, they're going to spring up and they're going to bear fruit. We have to remember to go out and pick that fruit off the vine and bring baskets, invite our friends over it. Harvest that abundance. And when we harvest that abundance, that gives us more seeds to plant, more connections to make, and, and more and just brings more abundance and, and the ease of, of all of this that we're doing. It just it just makes life a lot easier and we're able to share that abundance with others. Oh. Joe, I love it. Love the collaboration, love the heart for giving and, and sharing with, with others and and I mean, obviously, Wallace D. Waddles was a huge in collaboration, right? Science of getting rich. And uh, there's no such thing as competition. It requires collaboration and communication. And so sure appreciate you sharing today. And what a great conversation we've had. Well, I appreciate you, Robert. And thank you for what you do for entrepreneurs. If you enjoyed the show, please like, subscribe, or leave a review. We have a free gift for you at addvaluemindset.com. That's addvaluemindset.com. We've collected some of the best mindset secrets shared by successful entrepreneurs on our podcast, and we want to give them to you for free. addvaluemindset.com. In our next episode, Justin Nimrock and Jessica Rink of Leading Evolution Group. Leading Evolution Group's mission is to facilitate crucial conversations that draw out the hidden truths, motivations, ideals, and values in organizations and teams.